you know, I'm sure that there have been good Pokemon names since about 250, but I, I think it's hard to do better than coughing and wheezing. Probably been a couple of good ones. Good ones being Pokemon names. And like the more recent sort of generations. But for my money, I don't think they've ever topped coughing and wheezing. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name this week is Henry. And my name is Surprised by that Totally Original Thought John. And together we're Henry and totally surprised by that original thought, John, coming at you to discuss the cultural happenings of the zeitgeist in 2024 as only we can. Now, Henry, I know that we are deep into January. It's it, We're still in the single digits, John. <laughs> we are deep into January. <laughs> 33%, less than 33% of the way into it's, January. We are in the thick of it. We're in the weeds. We're in the reeds. We're somehow, struggling for air. It's somehow still the first week of January, John. I don't we, know how. We lived through a full week, but there's still the first week. We're still there. We are deep into January. And as you know, what that means at the John last name redacted compound, we are deep into dry January, it's as is just everyone. Beginning. <laughs> it's just beginning. We are weeks deep into dry January. Everybody's doing it. Everyone's on board. I started it and everyone's I'm doing currently it. sipping a lawnmower as we speak. Now, I don't know if anyone out there listening to this appreciates the space of non-alcoholic beers, but things have changed. If you'll remember, I believe last week I was drinking a Brooklyn Brewing Special Effects uh, Hazy IPA, maybe just a regular IPA. Delicious, almost impossible to tell that it was not a uh, one of my devious little craft brews. This week, I decided to investigate the macro side of the non-alcoholic beer spectrum, and I have with me a Budweiser Zero. Oh, okay, so you you, you, you dallied and you, you pranced and you frolicked through the fields of the independent brewer, but now you're like, hey, let's go to the, the concrete jungle of well-trodden ground. What am I saying? That's right. I feel like you can go to any micro-brew house with their frou-frou mustaches and derby hats, and sure, they'll, they'll know about, uh, about flavor compounds, etc., but the meat and potatoes people of the earth 
what what are they going to drink when they're going through dry January? And I am pleased to tell you, first of all, that Budweiser Zero has lore. Okay, great. We, we of course, know that uh, all good beers have at least a paragraph of lore. And I'll just... Uh, the the can the bottle reads as follows: The great American Budweiser taste to the heroes of the hardwood, the sultans of SWAT, the guardians of the goal, introducing the genuine Budweiser Zero, a refreshing al- zero alcohol brew with the choicest ingredients and great Budweiser taste. This Bud's bruised for brewed for those who make zero compromise. This Bud's for you. Now. Uh... Since you've cracked, have you cracked it open yet? I have cracked it open. It is a, um, it it is sealed with a twist off and emitted essentially no win open. <laughs> now, since you've cracked that bad boy open, have any cops tried to stop you? And you've had to explain, no, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay. It's non-alcoholic. Uh, they haven't yet. Okay, because by all means, by by all indications from the commercial, this happens to everyone who opens one of these non-alcoholic Budweisers. I did not realize that that was a marketing ploy <laughs> that that the police are trying to stop you for drink for drinking Budweiser Zero. Well, they see you walking in in public holding a beer, which is, of course, as we know, the most egregious sin you can ever commit. In modern day society, and they pulled their guns. And they pulled their guns, of course. They're shouting conflicting, you know, orders at the at the at the would be drinker who, and the, he cannot follow them, and he's just trying to shout, "No, no, it's okay, it's not alcoholic." And then the commercial cuts right before they they pull the trigger on him and mm-hmm. and uh, you know commit justice. And of course, uh, once the if, if you watch the extended Super Bowl commercial, they unload twenty one rounds into him, and then they see it was a Budweiser Zero, and then they put white out over the zero, right? Planting evidence, the uh, Budweiser Just Zero. I, I will. I don't tend to spend a lot of time around the police, and the times I've been stopped, they've let me go <laughs> because of the way that I look. I don't know if it matters because in a follow-up commercial, an extension of this campaign, they feature another would-be drinker who looks nervous. He's panning left. He's not panning. The camera pans. But he's looking nervously left and right. And his hands is clearly a Budweiser non-alcoholic beverage. And he goes to twist it open. And as soon as he does, he gets swatted. Mm. Course, and he's yes. like, I'm in the comfort of my own home. I can drink it here. And they're like, it doesn't matter. We're confused by it. And they gun him down. They cut right before they gun him down. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, I think that only makes sense. Uh, Budweiser is the most dangerous brew on the planet. And this one, I, I mean, just from the description alone, uh, Heroes of the Hardwoods, Sultans of Swat. This is This gives you energy and pep to do sports. <laughs> That's... That's got to be true, right? I will say this is in a unique class of non-alcoholic beers that have started to appear recently with uh, Heineken Double Zero, I think it's called. And there's also uh, Guinness Draft Zero and now Budweiser Zero. These are non-alcoholic beers that actually contain no alcohol 
whatsoever. Most non-alcoholic beers, including that Brooklyn Brewery beer, are like point less than 0.5% alcohol and can be considered non-alcoholic. Right. So the my, my only question is what is the point? Like does it so have you tasted this yet? You mean what is the point in making it? Yeah, what is the point in making it? Well, we're about to find out. So you haven't tasted it yet. He's tasting it now, folks. I, I'll I'll fill in. Uh, well, it tastes pretty much exactly like a Budweiser, I guess. So really close to water. Very yes. It's like um, it's like a like a like a stinky hop water. Mm, Nothing like you. a malty, slightly bitter water. Mm, no thanks. I mean, it's it's somewhat refreshing. I could see it would feel strange since this is zero point zero percent alcohol, and you can drink it anywhere. It would be weird having lived in a place where drinking on the street is illegal. It would feel weird to me to crack one of these open and start drinking it because it does kind of taste like a beer. Oh, okay. So, like you, you might give yourself away. You. you 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 sip and you ah too refreshed and then the police are on you they know yeah no i would be very concerned about the police killing me if i were to drink this in public and thank god i'm drinking in the privacy of my own home yeah well uh i mean i'm glad you're continuing to um what are the words explore the world of non-alcoholic beers this this dry January. Uh, I, of course, have drank nothing but lawnmowers. The seasonally appropriate beverage. Now, of course, I would like to, in the coming weeks, continue to uh, experiment with different non-alcoholic beers. There are a couple out there that, act- that actually have pretty wide distribution that I think are quite delicious. Uh, and aren't craft beers and are like 0.0% alcohol. So even my straight edge friends can enjoy. Uh, Budweiser Zero, I'm going to go back retroactively and give these non-alcoholic beers a rating scale. Okay. And I'm going to say the special, the Brooklyn Brewing special effects, whatever IPA it was, is 8 Full chairs out of 10 at an AA meeting. And the Budweiser Zero is like one full chair and the other chair has a purse in it and the other eight are empty. Which one is better in this scenario? (laughs) The more full chairs is better. Okay, I couldn't tell... You, Because we want people to seek help for their problems. Yeah, we want people to seek help. And also, don't you don't want people to be lonely in an AA meeting. You want support. And oh, not all right. those people are there for alcohol. Some are sex addicts or addicted to smack or whatever. I don't think that's what AA is for. AA is for a lot of things. It's for alcohol. Not necessarily, no. It's a okay. network of people. You're a network of people. Well, a lot of good. people go to AA who... I don't mean to be a pedant, but a lot of people go to AA who aren't alcoholics. Name one. You can't. 
You can't because part of Alcoholics Anonymous is that it's anonymous. Because there are no one. No one goes goes to Alcoholics Anonymous and you can't name a single person. That means I'm right. We can just move on. All right. Agree to disagree. On what grounds? I... I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's not a valid response to agree to disagree on what grounds uh we are disagreeing in that i think the question is flawed from the premise in that the nature of the organization is that people are anonymous so i cannot name one even if they did exist convenient very convenient that's all i'll say very convenient for you okay well name someone i you know what i'm gonna I'm going to bring your whole fucking diseased temple down on your head, Henry. Are you ready? Okay. I'm going to talk about an institution that I know you hold dear to your heart. What institution do I care about? Name one person on the Academy Awards voting committee. Oh, yeah. Votron 3000. Not a person. Not a person yet until we get AI laws. Yeah, no, it's a it's, it's a very well known and, and poorly kept secret that the the voting conglomerate of the Academy Awards are all robots. There are no people. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So you know, back off, buddy. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the people in AA is Alcobot. Not a person. All right. Well, it's a new year. Agree to disagree, I gotta say. On what grounds? (laughs) On the grounds that robots are in both. Robots are not people. Okay, so you can't name a single person on the Academy Awards nominating committee? I cannot because it is a a well-known and poorly kept secret that all of the committee is robots. Therefore, there are no people. Okay. I already that said that. Yeah, I okay. feel like yeah. I'm losing my mind. Okay, okay. Well, agree to disagree. Anyway, moving on. On what grounds? <laughs> on the grounds that my thing that I said is right and yours is wrong. Okay, okay. So that's how it's going to be. It's a new year, John. And do you know what that means? Um, new pe- People are flooding to the gym. Yes. And also as well, it means another trove of delicious, yummy, previously copyrighted material has now entered the public domain. Oh, does this is this why I've been seeing all these steamboat willy uh, pornographies? Yes. <laughs> so unfortunately enough, yes. Um, the original uh, Mickey Mouse cartoon Steamboat Willie, along with a companion piece known as Plain Crazy, have both entered the public domain, along with a bunch of other films, books, musical compositions, and sound recordings. Ooh, I, I, I know that I make jokes, but I'm so... I mean, clearly copyright law should be in a place where things enter the public domain much quicker but anytime anything enters the public domain i get excited yes there's a new trove of potential muppet movies (laughs) that's all i ever think about is like look at all the muppet movies that could be being made right now 
because finally it's in the public domain and Disney wouldn't have to pay for the rights. Uh, I'm going to say Muppet Steamboat Willie. Anyone? Uh, maybe, maybe. Um, for those who don't know, um, any work that has been copyrighted for 75 years can no longer be copyrighted for a 76 year. So they automatically enter the public domain. Meaning anybody could iterate on these works without paying any rights to any such estates or authors or anybody else, um, which frees up potential projects. Like uh, we could get another Lady Chatterty's Lover by D.H. Lawrence. Oh, that's Lady Chatterty's Lover is great. Yeah, um, we could get another uh, Orlando by Virginia Woolf. Okay. I mean, the more wolf we have, the better. A new Ag- Agatha Christie is, is has been freed from the clutches of copyright. Uh, all aboard, John. All aboard for the Agatha. Of course we could get a, a, a remake with no royalties paid for Should Married Men Go Home. That? Uh, I was going to say all aboard... The Blue Train, for it is The Mystery of the Blue Train by Agatha Christie. Why is it so Ooh. blue? Now, I'm a, I'm personally a pretty big fan of Making Whoopi by Walter Donaldson. You have a different list than I do. <laughs> what? Not? Oh, wait. Hold on. Mac the Knife by Kurt Vale is... Whoa, that's cool. And among all of this, of course, is... The film's Steamboat Willie and Playing Crazy, meaning the likenesses of the characters and those two films have exited copyright and can be iterated upon. So modern day Mickey, still very much under copyright protection, but as the character appears in these two films, that can be used tentatively freely. <laughs> I'm sorry, I got into this whole thing about Mac the Knife. I don't know what's going on. Uh, but funnily enough, also joining in the the public domain era is Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Ah, if I'm not mistaken, the protagonist of Mickey and the Haunted Paintbrush. I forget what the name of that video game is, but yes, I, I believe you can play as Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Um, but yeah, all of the... Oswald the Lucky Rabbit cartoons are in the public domain. So I I guess whoever was working on that horror movie that's coming out soon um, with the the original depictions of the Steamboat Willie Mickey, they just missed the Oswald the Lucky Rabbit thing or they didn't feel like it was uh, important enough. I don't know. I live on Oswald the Lucky Rabbit watch. Yeah. That's IP I care about. Well, it's free now. You can do whatever you want with it. I'm excited. I'm just afraid that the IP is going to get diluted now that's in the public domain, you know? It absolutely will. I mean, the first week alone of this year saw the release of a horror video game featuring Mickey Mouse. Uh, plans for a horror movie are, are, uh, of, of the Mickey Mouse character is also happening kind of like we saw Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey last year. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly enough, 
another book in the the Pooh Lore Corner, uh, House at Pooh Corner, has entered the public domain, uh, and this introduces the Tigger character. So there could be a sequel to Blood and Honey that features a Tigger character. Uh, the, the, the world is the oyster. I cannot wait for uh, Pooh Blood and Honey 2 Tigger Warning. Oh, that's a good one. It's got to be what they call it. I, I'm i very excited for this. I do wonder, is Mickey now in the public domain or only the Steamboat Willie version of Mickey? Right. The current modern design of Mickey Mouse with the, what, the, the red pants and such. I don't know what mm-hmm. Mickey looks like. <laughs> that is still under copyright. It is only how Mickey looks and Steamboat Willie and playing crazy which is a okay. different design altogether. I wonder how long until we get regular. Ooh, I'm going to go crazy when wizard Mickey enters the public domain. That would be very funny. If like every time he wears a different, uh, what are they called? Outfit. Then yeah. Uh, and Mac, the knife is in the public domain. Yeah. Well, here's the crazy thing. Mac, the knife, obviously, uh, a very popular song that's been covered a lot. Lyrics by Bertolt Brecht. And then I found out Mac the Knife is actually f- from Bertolt Brecht's Three Penny Opera. Crazy. Yeah. Ger- original German lyrics. I didn't realize Ber- it was German. Bertolt Brecht. All right. Give us a deep dive into what this is and why you care. Uh, what, Mac the Knife or, B- or Bertolt Brecht? I mean, I feel like one's related to the other. Uh, Mac the Knife is a good, catchy song, and Bertolt Brecht is a German playwright and poet who I think created the epic theater. Uh, just kind of like a, one of those people that people who do theater revere a lot. Uh, but I don't know too much more than that. How does Mac the Knife go? Uh, you know, he's Mac. Mac the Knife. Mac, Mac, Mac. Mac the knife. I, you know, I don't know it off the top of my head. I don't right. know a lot of things, Henry. Well, you knew Mac the knife when I kind of just yeah, it's it's familiar to me in a way. Oh, okay. Everyone out there listening, uh, listen to Mac the knife. I mean, we could play it on the podcast without any consequences. Oh my god, you're so right. I'm gonna play. The entire audio to Steamboat Willie in the background. <laughs> Wait, is it silent? Uh, no, I mean, I, I feel like it has like a soundtrack. Um, oh, okay. I might do some stuff uh, now that things are pu- in the public domain. That'd be fun. Yeah. Also, everyone imagine me as Steamboat Willie. Right. John is wearing a Steamboat Willie outfit and there's nothing that the real mouse can do about it. There's nothing that mouse can do about it. And you, of course, are Oswald the Lucky Rabbit or Virginia Woolf. Um, Actually, the clothes of Virginia Woolf are still copyrighted for another 15 years. Okay, so uh, you are nude Virginia Woolf and I am Steamboat Willie. No, I, I okay. We'll roll with it. I could have just been wearing the blue shorts of Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, but apparently this is better. Oh my god, incredible mashup. Oswald, Virginia Wolf. It would be funny if every... I don't. I get why this doesn't happen, 
But it would be very funny if every year there was a new like multiverse movie, but with whatever just became free <laughs> in the public <laughs> domain. Be- uh, public domain across the multiverse. Right. The book version of Peter Pan. What are you doing here? <laughs> Peter Pan, Sherlock Holmes, Winnie the Pooh, uh, Steamboat Willie, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit all team up. We got to find Lady Chatterley's lover. <laughs> They're missing. <laughs> I would actually love this. No one would see it and no one would care, but I love this concept so much. <laughs> <laughs> aspiring comic book writers out there make this happen and i will support you on patreon yeah and it could be set to all of the various blues recordings that are now free for the public domain oh it's a it's a treasure trove yeah, and just think in, in only blues. in only 10 years time we'll be deep into the 30s and we'll have public domain versions of cat people oh that'd be cool the the horror movie, yeah, yeah, that would be really cool. But yeah, um, all these blues songs. I guess blues was really big in nineteen twenty three. I guess I don't know what else they had going on. They just finished the first world war. <laughs> yeah, I mean you got you got Don Har- downhearted blues recorded by Bethy Bessie Smith and Tennessee Ten. You got Lottie Lottie blues recorded by Eda Cox. You got Southern blues and Moonshine blues recorded by Ma Rainey. You got the Down South Blues recorded by Hannah Sylvester and the Virginia- Virginians, all of them. You got Wolverine Blues recorded by the Benson Orchestra of Chicago. Ten Roof Blues recorded by the New or- Orleans New Orleans Rhythm Kings. That's all the blues. <laughs> That's all the blues. All I, blues. I'm sure there's other things in there that aren't blues. Oh, yeah, you there's know, other we- things, yeah. Sunny Boy. Sunny Boy, of course. Let's do it. Let's fall in love. Making Whoopi, as previously said. Uh, Bambolina. Mandolina? Bambolina. Bambolina, of course. Yeah. Yes, we have No Bananas, recorded by Billy Jones, Furman, and Nash. Eddie Cantor, Bell Baker, and the Lannan Orchestra. Wait, hold on. Is, is that real? Because Yes, We Have No Bananas is actually an amazing song. It is now free or this recording is now free for from copyright. If I remember, I'm going to put here an excerpt from, or the entirety of yes, we have no bananas. The, just this specific recording now, of course. Yes. Not any recording. The, the specific recording of uh, Billy Jones, Furman and Nash, Eddie Cantor, Billy Baker, and the, the land and orchestra is free. Yeah. I, uh, I'll do the one by Billy Joel, released in 1980. That is not the right one. Okay, I'll just do Down Easter Alexa then. Yeah. Well, I'm on the Down Easter Alexa. And I recommend check out what is now free from copyright, because, hey, who knows? You could be inspired to write a sequel to Millions of Cats, the oldest American picture book still in print. Ooh, still in print. Yeah. Not for long. I'm going to start. Not if we have anything to do with it. (laughs) I'm going to start up a printing press that makes millions of cats and gives no attribution to the original family. I'm going to print millions of them and they're going to be free. You're going to make no money. 
I'm going to make negative money, but I'm going to bury that millions of cats family. Do it. I dare you. I do wonder, like, I don't know. I I do genuinely celebrate when things end up in the public domain because creative license is so important. uh, And the fact that it takes so long for something to to enter the public domain is uh, disheartening and mostly due to the Walt Disney Corporation. It's true. Uh, but I don't know. How would we feel if like 12 years after the Iron Man movies came out, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man was in the public domain? He could be doing anything. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I kind of get why it exists and why it runs out. Because it's like, it mainly the reason why it mainly runs out and why it used to be like 50 years or so is because like people die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And once they die, it's like, oh, should this work be forever locked away? You know, should no one ever get the chance to write a new Robin Hood just because the original author died? No, no. Let, let's let's see what you got. Like, as long as you can make it good. Um, yeah. But, it, it. I mean, I do feel like the protections need to be there for, like, let's not allow people to rip off current events or like current things and water water down what could you know good art with poor imitations outside of parody yeah i mean of course there's the argument the laissez-faire argument that if you create art and there's an ecosystem where the art can immediately be duplicated then only good art should rise to the top uh so you shouldn't have to worry about as long as you're a good artist but i mean these days that's necessarily true feel like these days all art can be instantly duplicated thanks to like ai and and learning things that are trained on uh copyrighted work there's a huge copyright sort of debate happening right now with the training of ai so mm, you know yeah i mean with the area with uh with the i mean we've talked about this a thousand times the real danger of ai and particularly like generative ai that creates images is is it allows non-creative people to feel deeply creative yeah and that has proven that has proven to be so pernicious and alluring that it's completely throwing into question our respect for art exactly Uh, because to people who are uh quote heavy quotes ai artists uh, they don't want their art impugned upon by saying, oh, no, it's 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 so if, if you were to say it's cool that uh, people are going after Mid Journey for having a list of 16,000 artists that it was stealing work from openly, uh, th- they would decry that and say, you're stifling innovation. It's important that we continue to have these tools. Well, I'm like, we really need to think about protections for artists that keep their work from being used by these things. Right. I mean, as long as people are getting compensated for having their work used, which they're not, Absolutely not. And in fact, in addition to not being compensated for their work being used, uh, it is creating an ecosystem where it becomes harder for them to get paid for new work to begin with, because people think they can just generate shit with AI now. Right, exactly. 
I mean, uh, just today, I think I saw uh, Duolingo not doing it. No. Dula Peep. Uh, Duolingo, the the uh, language learning app that so many people use featuring that little green owl that reminds you that your streak is dead and you're worthless, uh, let go or just didn't renew a lot of the contracts they had with their translators, uh, stating instead that they're just going to use AI translations and keep on just a few people to make sure the translations were good enough. Mm. So... That's bad. You know, like I, I don't want to see AI taking the place of real humans and valuable positions that can benefit people. And that includes artists. So it's like, let's just curb that stuff. And then we're all good. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think we need to, uh, take a page out of like China's book for how they're very proactively dealing with AI in general. But I I think we're probably not going to do anything and it's only going to get worse. It's uh, really concerning to me to hear that they're getting rid of translators and only keeping on. So here's the, like the AI issue you run into is the model that Duolingo is moving towards is human in the loop which is someone is involved in the decisions an AI, an AI is making. And I think that's defensible, right? Right. Uh, if you have to if you have to translate uh, hundreds of thousands, millions of phrases, words, combinations of those things for your courses, it would be prohibitively expensive to have a human write every one of those if you do have humans in the loop, of course then you can at least vet those things. It's tough with translation because like computers famously are really bad at translating things adequately for tone or context, which is a really important part of language. Like computers really don't get idiomatic expressions uh, or high context languages. I think the concern is when you start to look at human out of the loop uh, systems, which I think Duolingo would probably move to eventually if they're humans like, I don't know, complained too much or got too expensive. And then, of course, when you have human in the loop relationships with AI, the work becomes grinding and awful. And you're just like, you're just being fed like hundreds and hundreds of AI generated, in this case, translations to sign off on every single day rather yeah. than having the joy of translating them yourself. And it takes the autonomy out of your job and you're just being a human computer for a computer that they think can do your job better than you. I mean, absolutely. Like I, not to get into too many details, but at my current position at the company I work at, I am a human in the loop of AI for research projects or research papers that people at my company used to write. And I would just sort of do a grammar check, do like mild fact checking. Um, thank you. <laughs> and now it's just, it's instead of a dialogue and feeling as though like I'm improving the writing style and helping someone become a better writer through feedback, I am just retooling the regurgitated words of an AI. And so there is no 
getting it better, that has to be done at the prompting stage. And I'm not in that loop. I'm just in the feet, like the result loop. And it, it, it is just a drag because it can generate way more uh, research papers than we can get through in a week. And the goals, because it can generate so much, have been set at this ridiculous amount. And we're just expected to try to keep up, which is literally impossible. I mean, I think, honestly, at the end of the day, everyone is... Every company that is just acting as like a GPT wrapper right now or some kind of LLM wrapper, we assume that there's some kind of like product innovation going on here that's saving time or making jobs redundant or decreasing work. Like that's the dream of AI and automation in general is like to decrease work. I think the amount of work is the same. Right. Like uh, it's just different. It, it's tr- it's yeah. transformed into a a new type of work. Yeah. Like uh, a less if, fulfilling type of work. A, a very common uh, saying, uh, a pithy saying in like the computer science space is you used to spend three hours writing code and seven hours debugging it. And now you spend 30 minutes asking chat GPT to write code and spending 12 hours debugging it. So like, right. You're spending more time, but there's, I think the, the sneaky thing about AI is it's actually tricked us. First of all, its job is to trick people into thinking an image looks acceptable, uh, or text looks believable. There's no thinking going on. There's nothing critical happening in AI. And I think it's done the same thing to work processes in that its mere existence has tricked us into thinking that's acceptable alternative. But it's not. Nothing has really changed. Like right. even for AI-generated images, the people who like make money off of these things, there's this, I think, Argentinian AI influencer who has an OnlyFans, which more power to her. Uh, but uh, they probably spend tons of time using tools like InPaint to take the images they got, select areas for them to retouch because like the fingers looked horrific. Like humans are still working on this shit for the same amount of time. It's just different and less pleasant. Mm. It feels like a tool that should be useful and a different way is just it, it's being let's shortcut, let's cut corners, let's cut costs, let's use the tool in the wrong way, and still employ people to make sure that it's not spitting on a bad product or whatever. And it's like, well, that's not the fulfilling work AI could do if you let us take our time to figure out how to use it the best way. Yeah, I mean, early on with this whole current AI, I guess, summer we're going through, people were like, how come AI is taking people's jobs and not cleaning the ocean or whatever? And I think that's fun and pithy, but misunderstands like the use cases. But there are so many like better uses for AI that could actually save time, like comprehensive grammar checkers would be great. Right. Fantastic use for AI. Like anything, 
I think what we're doing is we're generating things for AI and then feeding them through people, but we should generate things through people and then use AI to improve processes that humans are creating. Absolutely. Like that would, that's what we need to do. AI is not going to solve anyone's problems, but it can help. Like if you had like an AI coding assistant that helps you code, that might be nice. Not writes code for you and then you debug it. That's insane. Yeah. Um, I like your suggestion of basically feeding AI something you've created to check. So like a grammar checker or sort of like a code checker, if you will, like that can point out what is wrong and why it's wrong. I think that's super helpful for people who are trying to learn and and become better at whatever they're trying to do. I don't think we can learn as much from having AI do it for us and then checking it after because then we're not seeing the process of how it got to that point, you know? Yeah. I mean, how how could you as a human possibly grow if all you're doing is spot checking for anomalies and something that you couldn't hope to understand how it works, right. like how it truly works? Like we understand in broad strokes how like a large language model would work, but no one like totally 100% understands why it comes to every decision it does. So like, I don't know get rid of human in the loop and make it AI in the loop. And I feel like you actually start saving time and making people like work less. Yeah. Reverse it basically. Cause I mean, even, (laughs) even like AI developers sometimes say like, Oh, it's a black box. Like we don't quite know how it gets to the results it gets to. So it's like, well then we're really not learning anything right now. (laughs) Yeah. It's, I mean, AI is getting better and this isn't, we're going to, we're headed towards an AI winter soon, probably, but like the GPT store is rolling out and that's going to get worse. And I know all I do is fucking talk about AI on this podcast, uh, but I don't know, make, make it better. Make it, if make you it see better. one of the delivery robots, kick it over. Yeah. Make it better. Do everything you can to make sure that people who have jobs, keep those jobs and fuck the robots. Yeah, and just make it better. Just make it better. Just make it better. If you could do one thing, I'd probably say make it better, leave it better than you found it. I mean, if we could just for a second just contemplate what we could do this year going forward, I would say just off the top of my head, make it better. Um, I'm going to say do better. Do better. Do better. Anyway. Do better. Do better. This do podcast better. has a fan, has an amazing energy. Do better. Uh, remember, it, remember when we said that we're glad that 2023 mm-hmm. is over because we no longer have to keep trying like we were for the Zeit Bingo? I'm enjoying it. I know. We're having fun. It's a little more loose. Um I'm not, I've got the urge to be like, oh, let's put a bow on what we were just talking about. I'm not going to do that because, you know, who am I trying to impress? Instead, John, let's get to our next topic. It involves a person who we talk about a lot on this podcast. And I just want to, 
I want to raise this up and I don't know why it's happening. I just need you to weigh in on it. Uh, of course, I love weighing in on things. Uh, so recently, a one of the most paid actors to date, uh, f- phenomenal athlete, uh, really great personality for wrestling, so-so actor. We've talked about, um, you know him, people love him, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Of course, John Cena. Oh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Well, I, I was not getting into that. Uh, he recently did a little uh, Instagram sort of uh, call out or or promotion or campaign thing uh, where he tried In and Out Burger for the first time. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> is is that it? Only it wasn't the first time. What? It's not the first time, but. He he tweeted at he, 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 I'm so confused about what's going on here. He filmed a segment and uh-huh. posted it on Instagram and the entire segment is this is my first time trying In-N-Out Burger. Uh-huh. And then people immediately called him out because he had done that same thing on Instagram a couple of years ago. His first In-N-Out Burger. And then more fans flocked to this most recent one to point out that years ago, (laughs) in 2017, when he was promoting Moana, he had his first In-N-Out Burger. So that's Uh three different times. Uh Uh-huh. That is tried in and out burger allegedly for the first time on Instagram. And I just want to know why. I mean, I think there's a pessimistic read, right? You know, trying a very famous divisive burger and very regional burger chain for the first time, you know, that, that really brings in the content, but I think maybe it's a 51st state scenario. Oh, you think he's been in a traumatic accident. Mm-hmm. whereby he forgets every morning he forgets that he's tried in and out burger and this has been going on since 2017 yeah it's been going on since and he has a he has like a caretaker with him every day and every day he wakes up his eyes pop open and he says i'm so excited to try my first in and out burger today and only some days do they film it yeah um, I just want to read a little bit of the, the, the captions for this. So I'm going to start in 2017 with Dwayne The Rock Johnson's uh, first ever in and out visit. It's a selfie of him doing a thumbs up in the drive through with two in and out workers in the delivery window. And the caption reads, I've never been to in and out before. I know what an asshole. But one of my lovely ladies, and he tagged his wife and his daughter, wanted late night grub. I happily obliged and pulled in the drive-thru. Seriously, the most excited and super nice fans ever. Thanks to specific people and staff for being so cool. You made my ladies very happy with the burgers, fries, and shakes, and that's what it's all about. If our Moana wins the Oscar this Sunday, I will return in my tux and completely destroy multiple burgers and fries 
to celebrate. I'm talking about taking cheat meal to another level. Thanks guys for being so cool and for the free ketchup. Uh, okay. I think that's a perfectly fine, genuine first time going to in and out. Yeah. Post. Um, I will I say just, like all Dwayne, the rock Johnson things, it really sounds like it was written by AI, but it, it really does. I'm just checking that year. Uh, did Moana win the Oscar? What do they call this? Actually, they call this the Academy Award. Uh, it got best animated feature. Uh huh. So he. So we know based on his promise because oh, he's no, a man it, of his word. I misread it. I misread it. It was only nominated. He. It didn't win. Okay, so we know he didn't go back. But right now we're at one in and out visit. Right. All right. And, and uh, to his credit, actually, I'm seeing that. Seeing now, he doesn't say he ate anything. He just said he picked it up for his wife and daughter. Okay, because he had so some maybe, cod or white fish at home. So plausible yeah. deniability. Plausible deniability. All right. Uh, so now we go to last year where he posts a picture, actually a video, of two burgers, two fries, and two bottles of Terramana tequila. Of course, I, yes. Got to rep the brand of bad tequila. Uh, and so he writes a cheat meal... Wait, a cheat meal Sunday for the history books. My first time ever eating in and out A solid start with a bite of good fries, as we know shitty fries can ruin the whole experience. Paired the main course with a quite delicious combo pour of Terramana Blanco and... And... Sorry, I was saying E for Spanish, but... And Terramana Repasado... As founder, I make up the tequila rules. The verdict thumbs up. This cheeseburger connoisseur will now add in and out to the list. Enjoy your cheat meals, my friends. Okay. Um, pretty shameless self-promo, but I, I, have, I have a theory. Okay, please. We all know... That The Rock does not fucking eat those cheat meals he posts. So this was prepared by someone else as promotion for Terramana tequila. Absolutely. I mean, he'll pose in front of the food, but my man posts pictures of like 12 Domino's boxes or whatever. He's like, whoa, cheat meal. First of all, no human body can actually eat that. I feel like maybe he posted one that was genuine years ago and it got like, a lot of engagement and there's this like huge cottage industry of people who like post huge cheat meals in the fitness space. They don't eat that shit. They can't. Yeah. Cause it would destroy their bodies. It wouldn't just like they post amounts of food that a human being physically could not eat. Uh, now I am doing the, uh, the due diligence here. I've muted the video, but I'm watching it. Uh, the two double doubles. Uh, one is being picked up by the Rock. I, I presume he's talking during this. Uh, uh-huh. He has not bitten anything. He, he oh, I think he just raised a fry to presumably his mouth, but it was just more so off camera, so he could have easily just thrown it over his shoulder if he really uh-huh. wanted. We haven't seen bite. We have not seen bite. He just touched the two tequila bottles, and it seems like he's talking about the tequila bottles. He is now pouring. Tequila, just straight tequila into a glass of ice. 
and a highball glass. Oh, wait. It looks like he might be mixing. He is he's now pouring the other tequila. So two different types of tequila. He's mixing it by shaking it. He sipped it. Well, he moved it toward the camera. Okay, okay. <laughs> deceptive. Deceptive. Uh-huh, he uh-huh. might have sipped it. He might have just moved it toward the camera. He's now picking up a bird. It ended. <laughs> oh, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I I bet right before the video cut off, he's like, gonna crush all these burgers right now, gonna eat every single burger. Yeah. You gotta believe me. You gotta please, please believe me that I'm gonna eat all these burgers. Ends. It ends. Um and I and uh I will say uh it was him. I, I can verify it wasn't a like a stand-in. It was at least his voice and pos- quite possibly his hand. Uh, <laughs> I I don't doubt that he's present for these cheat meals. Uh, like you said, <laughs> he, he will pose with the food. Hey, uh, um, we don't have time to do this now, but I'd be fascinated to find another one of these videos to see if there's any eating that actually takes place. Well, I've got one more. I've got the one that triggered this investigation that was posted this year. Uh huh. Um, the caption has now been edited. Okay. Okay. So when we I, don't know what the original caption was. Oh, I think it just added a little bit up top. I think the uh, the the body of the text is the same. Um, so I'm going to skip over the edited bits and revisit it after. Does that okay. sound fair? Yes. All right. This caption reads, my first ever In-N-Out burger experience rolled up in my pickup and tried to be cool AF with my order, but I didn't know the lingo, didn't know who to pay, where to pay, didn't know shit, but I'm a quick study. (laughs) Hold on. I continue, but continue, but mark this moment in your mind, listeners, for what we've heard previously. But I'm a quick study. Loved everyone's positive vibes and their quote, holy shit, it's the rock quote, energy. Loved the grub and love how everyone in the drive-thru looked at me like I have three heads when I give them a tip. Thank you, in and out for being awesome and I'll see you down the road. Hashtag cheat day. Hashtag rocks pick up truck adventures. Hashtag in and out burger edit at Taylor Stevens. Good job, Taylor Stevens, for getting the shout out. At Rock's Pickup Truck Adventures. Now, here's my issue. Before we get into whether or not he ate it. In a different time in 2017, when we all admit that he was maybe being honest about the first time going to... He bought in and out right? Like, he yeah, knew he where bought. to go and who to pay. Yeah. Well, ostensibly, either either and maybe an assistant went and got it, and that would give him plausible deniability. Wait, what? Okay, never mind. But the, but the pictures with the In-N-Out workers in the 2017 post. Mm-hmm. So if nothing else, we know he's lying about not knowing how to pay for food. Yeah. Uh, so I'm watching the video now, and it seems as though... Uh, oh, that was the whole video? Oh, my God. Um, the video... So it seems like in and out uh, employs people to stand, you know, kind of outside and, and take people's orders. 
And so he gave this person his order and, and uh, they told him to pay at the first window. And he said, wait, I don't pay you. So I guess that's sort of it. And um, it's just a video of his driving experience. Uh, there, there's one small pan over the food, but uh-huh. at no point do we see the food and him in the same place. Oh, wait. So the food, he's never holding the food. It does not seem like, it does not seem like he, he ever, okay, hold on. Uh, this video is now going into like its fifth minute. <laughs> he is now <laughs> greeting yet another person. This is the longest drive-through experience. He has gone to like five different windows. I, I mean, for, from I what it's worth, from what I from what I understand, In and Out is a lo- is a long drive-through experience. Okay. Because All they're right. slow, and P. Terry's is better. It was that was it. He, Just he, him he, talking. At the end of the video, he got he he got like a physical box full of food, put it uh, presumably in the passenger seat, and we never see him and the food in the same place. Amazing. It was just him going through a drive-through, taking pictures of everybody. He he, you know, being a good you know celebrity, taking pictures of everybody, being really friendly, tipping a lot. Like I will never drag anyone for doing any of that stuff. But we never see him eat the food. We never see him <laughs> do anything with the food. There's no way we can do this, but I would be so interested in going back and actually seeing if there's any footage of The Rock ever eating food. Yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, so I said I was going to come back to the top and read the edit. And here's where the edit, this is what the edit says now. Um, it says, thanks to the fans who reminded me that I want that I went to In-N-Out years ago and totally <laughs> forgot about it. Great. So people obviously tipped him off that, hey, this isn't your first time. And he, add, his team added a little thing. But like, just why? Why? Just say like, instead of my first time, just say like, oh, I went to In-N-Out and had a weird experience. You know, like, well, why dress it up as like this event when it's like, you know, this could be a stand-up comedy routine. I mean, I, I think it's like no one's going to share a video that's like The Rock goes to In-N-Out again. Real In-N-Out heads are going to share The Rock's <laughs> first time at In-N-Out. I guess. Even though In-N-Out's not even good. It's not good. I don't like it. I'll, I'll just be the first to say it. Uh, your your West Coast burger doesn't uh, impress this, this Southern boy. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. It does not impress me much. Yeah, uh, Thousand Island dressing or whatever they put on their burgers doesn't belong in a burger. Sorry. Uh, the fries are mid. I can't have their burgers because they're meat, but the fries are mid. P. Terry's is better. Yeah, P. Uh, Terry's is hella good. Yeah, I, I don't know what to tell you. I I wonder if he's ever actually eaten, and that's why it's hard for him to remember if he's been there before or not. That's a really good point. If The Rock has never eaten, then um, I could see why he's so confused. I mean, that's the thing about being like a celebrity like The Rock, right? Is your life is so disconnected from – you're basically an alien to every normal 
human being. So yeah, he did like a promo thing where he did an in and out quote unquote cheat meal years ago where people set up a bunch of in and out food and whoever was managing his socials at the time was like, this should get a lot of engagement. People feel very strongly about in and out. People love your stupid, 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 stupid cheat meals. Yeah. Uh, and then posted that he didn't eat any of it. And then he was given a glass container that had a bunch of like cod and vegetables in it and a protein <laughs> shake because he's a machine and props to him right. for being a machine. Uh, and then just forgot about it. Like, how is he going to remember that he was looking at this dumb amount of food that he has to look at fairly regularly for one of these cheat meal posts and then just like moved on with his life? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I get it. There's there's a sort of like fantasy about the uh, like the cheat meal thing and, and cheat meals as they stand are sort of like a pseudoscience thing where like. Oh yeah, for one meal you can really eat whatever you want, you know, given to your your cravings and satisfy those cravings and then the the very next meal you eat like the smallest salad you can and it turbocharges your metabolism and then, you know, it, it like it confuses your stomach or whatever. Yeah. And uh I mean there's there's not a lot of science behind any of it, but there's this you know, the the Giving into one's desires is a human fantasy. Like no consequence debauchery is what we all want. Uh, that's why drugs exist, right? Like if drugs didn't have consequences, we'd all be doing them. Yeah. That's, I mean, there's like a voyeurism, like, oh man, he gets to eat all of that. I want, yeah. I want to do that. I mean, drugs are drugs are good and normal. Uh, you just have to take them in moderation all the time. Um, but for the cheat meals, especially, like we live in like a chronically overnourished society, right? Like everybody is trying to fucking pay bills and lose weight. Everybody's trying to lose weight. We are constantly bombarded with the narrative that we need to lose. It's like the number one preoccupation in the American mind. So if people are operating in this like forever dieting mindset of always feeling deprived, the thing they want to see more than anything else is someone just going nuts on the exact food yeah. that they want. And there's absolutely there's functionally no science supporting the cheat meals makes sense. Is there a limited amount of body fat you can gain as a human through digestion in a day? Absolutely. You, you could eat so much food. You couldn't possibly gain weight from it, but like it, it feeds into this like really disordered narrative that you need to live your life in a deprived state and then yeah. completely give in to your inhibitions for a short period of time and then go back to restricting. Whereas the answer it, is live in fucking moderation and you can be a little yeah. happy every day. It, it, it's the, uh, it, it's the purge. Uh, with um, Ethan Hawke. Well, no, it's the same philosophy behind the purge. Oh, like, yes, oh. yes, yes. I see. We, we, we give in to our, our most horrible human instincts and, and do all the murder and violent crimes we want for one day. And then for the rest of the year, we're fine. It, 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 that's not how people work. We don't have like a tank full of desire that we can empty slash fill or whatever. And then we're good. It, it, that's not how it works. 
works. Yeah, if if you want something, it's if you find yourself chronically wanting something, it's because you're deprived of it. Not not saying that like if you want to murder, you're deprived of murder. It's just that you perceive that you want to murder, and then murdering won't make you stop wanting to murder. You need to right. figure out why you want to do. I mean, that's the that's the secret of all human behavior, right? And so many books have been written about like building atomic habits or whatever. But human beings just do what we do. Like mood follows action. Yeah. It's so, if if you I, eat cheat meals all the time, you're gonna become a person who wants cheat meals all the time. It's, right, you're gonna live for the cheat meals rather than living for your everyday life. Yeah, you can yeah. live every day if you live in moderation. You can be happy every day. Absolutely. And so, to the rock, this message is for you. Uh, you know, just live the life you want to live. Stop. Just stop. How? <coughs> just stop. Doing the cheat meals and start eating in and out every day so you don't forget about it. Yeah, eat eat in and out every day. Also, this is to the rock. As someone with an eating disorder, I think you and the people who do the things you do around cheat meals actually pretty considerably contribute to a lot of really unhealthy behaviors in individuals with eating disorders. And I think it does real harm. And I think the cheat meal thing needs to go away forever. Well said. But now I want to eat eight pizzas. I would love to eat eight pizzas, but if only my heart could take it. But if you ate eight pizzas, you'd be jacked like The Rock. There's nothing else going on with The Rock that would lead him to be so healthy and jacked all the time. We just got to eat unseasoned chicken and broccoli. Yeah. And, you know, I, I bet The Rock could actually stand to cut loose every once in a while. I bet he could. Yeah, lose a fight. Yeah, I would love to see, ooh, maybe that's what we can get AI to do. Generate a, a movie ooh. in which The Rock loses. I don't know. AI-generated video is starting to be a thing. Yeah, we could just be like, hey, yeah, we had a human in the loop. Um, sorry, uh, we thought the human said everything was correct. Uh, you have a problem with something being depicted in the film and behind us is just a rock getting punched in the face over and over again by a burger. Yeah, sorry. I, we, I mean, there was one person who, who said everything was okay. Um, his name was Vin Diesel. <laughs> oh, no. We're going to have to cover that sometime, by the way. Yeah, let's make that a next week thing. I don't know how I feel about it yet. I mean, I feel bad about it. I want to make it clear that I feel yeah, bad about it. I'm tentatively waiting for more details, but also at the same time, we're not hiding from it. We just haven't scheduled time to talk about it yet. Yeah, but Vin Diesel, <laughs> Vin Diesel was the human on the loop on the burger versus the rock movie that we just made. Yeah, sorry. Also, Steamboat Willie's in there. Yeah, it's free. Oh, man. There's this... Vin Diesel made this incredible AI movie about a hamburger and Mickey Mouse absolutely destroying The Rock. Yeah. I mean, that's what I would do if I had the technology. Mickey does a Hurricane Rana on The Rock. 
And on the crazy thing is the burger does the people's elbow and that just feels wrong. I know. At least make it a fun name like the pickles elbow. Yeah, but they didn't. They didn't. And then it did the people's eyebrow. It said, can you smell that I'm in the kitchen? (laughs) Oh, okay. That's better. Can you smell that I'm in the kitchen? Um, Can you smell what the rock is kitchen? Can you smell the rock's kitchen as it lays unwrapped on the rock's (laughs) counter? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> ah, it's a burger. Cause he was in the went in the Instagram of the burger. Yeah. It was in his kitchen. Yeah. My God. Yeah, so the, we okay, we open on the rock and his assistant. His assistant is like positioning the burgers and stuff. The rock is reading a script and he's like, All right, so this is gonna promote the live action Moana movie, right? And the yeah, his assistant's like, Yeah, make sure, you know, we just gotta use the phrase um, I want Mo in and out on, uh-huh. <laughs> and he's like, right, right, of course, okay, yeah. And then, like, he goes to film it, and he picks up the burger, and a fist just launches out of the burger, hitting the rock square on the jaw, and and um, that's how the movie begins. Yeah, and, and at at the connection, at the connection of fist. To the Rock's Jaw, You're the Cream in My Coffee by George Gard, Da Silva, Lou Brown, and Ray Henderson starts playing. Yeah. Is that, it's free? It's it's not copyrighted? Oh, it's free now. Okay, cool. Yeah, absolutely. And then. There we go. Perfect movie. I just played that and no one can fucking stop me. No one can say a gosh darn thing. And that's coming from me, Steamboat Willie Mickey. (laughs) You're Steamboat Willie and I'm Sherlock Holmes. And this has been another episode of Zero Credits. The the year is off to a great start. I'm going to call this, for me, one of the strangest energy episodes of all time. If, if you, as a listener, felt this strange energy, please sage the podcast. Pull out your pocket sage like that one person in a murder at the end of the world had for some reason. Uh, really talk about a show that had like a great first three episodes. Uh, if you felt that way, sage the podcast and get in contact with us in the ways Henry is about to describe. It's a brand new year. The energy's off, but the communication doesn't need to be. I don't know why I couldn't remember the word communication. Uh, but if you want to get in contact with us, here are the following ways you can do so. You can get at us on x.com. Uh, previously known as Twitter, at ZCPCWHJ. We might not be there for much longer. I need to talk to John about it. But here's, John knows what that stands for. That stands for sweaty Jimmy Kimmel looking stressed at computer naked generating now. That's a message for me. Uh, you can also get a, at us at our email, which will always be there forever. Our email address is as follows. Zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com. 
We are always open 24 days a week. Send us an email, send us Gmail, but don't send us. I get why we stopped doing that. We're also available on all of our different sort of podcast apps. Any you can think of, we're probably there. If that app has the capability to leave a rating or review, please do so. Uh, It just helps us out, helps us get more notoriety on all of those different apps. There are so many, including Podchaser, Google Podcast for a short time. Amazon podcast, because God knows they need more of our money, as well as a bunch of others I can't be bothered to name. But the most important thing you can do, my dear friend, my dear fam, is tell somebody else about the podcast. If they need an entry point to the podcast, uh, give them a supplemental reading to listen to. They're self-contained. They are timeless. They just have to be familiar with whatever the supplemental reading is about. That's a good entry point for us as personalities. And then the regular podcast is like, we're taking it easy this year. You know, we're we're trying to talk about interesting things that are happening. But um, the Internet in Texas, I don't know if you guys know this, uh, it's freezing over. Uh, Winter Storm Fen and the Arctic Blast that's coming right after Fen for whatever reason, I don't know how weather works, but this seems cruel, is freezing all of us solid. There's not much time left for us, but if you tell somebody about our podcast, the warmth that we receive will keep us warm and good during this frozen time. Word of the mouth is quite literally the only way we can survive. I did not know there was a tropical storm. I know now. Also, Henry, you have polar vortex. Polar vortex. Not a tropical storm. Winter storms get named now. Winter storm. Finn and Henry, you have a couple gifts waiting for you in Discord. I see them. No, I've got the Discord always open when we record. And twice I had to not look. Because uh, you keep sending me AI-generated images of Dim- Jimmy Kimmel naked looking at a computer screen perplexed. Only it doesn't look like Jimmy Kimmel anymore. It looks like what Fidel Castro must have looked like. It's looking like some. Uh, it's looking like a combo Jimmy Kimmel Zelensky, like some like Russian poet. Does not look a lot you like need the. To, you need to train your AI. As to what Jimmy Kimmel actually looks like. Yeah, I, I should probably run the face swap package with uh, with Jimmy Kimmel. But from everyone here at the Zero Credits face swap package with Jimmy Kimmel Studios, we'd like to wish you a happy week. Goodbye, everybody. And stay warm. Stay warm, everyone. And goodbye. Oh, clap. Wow.